0: Hello and welcome to the show, everyone. Got a lot to talk about for the NFL today, so we're going to get right down to the picks. And then we're going to talk about the DFS and Fantasy Slate, which is going to be heavily dominated about why I am so big on Taysom Hill this week. Not because he's actually good or anything. It's just because it's a math equation, uh, to be blunt. So uh, without much further ado, we're going to talk about Uh, the lines and then we're going to get, get right back down to it from uh, we're going to get right down to it, uh, to uh, the actual plays themselves uh, once we get through the line. So uh, just kind of talking it through overall from uh, the football slate, uh, you know, basically we got a couple of games here that don't quite make a whole ton of sense. Uh, when I'm looking at the lines, but, uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll try to make uh, the most sense of out of it as I can. Uh, you know, as it stands, you know, the saints, uh, you know, we'll leave it right off to it. Uh, the saints are still going to be favored against Atlanta. The line didn't really shift all that much dramatically from where we were originally. This opened up at around four and a half. Uh, you know, the, uh, the line is still uh, favoring the saints uh, uh, at around uh, three, uh, uh, four points or three and a half, depending on, uh, you know, where, where you are looking at uh, some of the books, but uh, you know, the, the truth of the matter is, is that, uh, you know, i I'm, I'm looking at it as like, if that line's still at three and a half, you know, I'm, I'm probably uh, going to be even more aggressive, uh, Uh, taking the Saints and here's the reason why you know it's not that Taysom Hill's actually good or anything but I'm seeing that total at 49 and a half and I'm looking at this and there are going to be fewer plays than people are expecting I expect the Saints to ground and pound uh, the Falcons and that there are not going to be as many passing opportunities for Atlanta uh, and big play opportunities for Ridley and uh, Ridley and Julio Jones to me I think the Saints will still be able to kind of gash Atlanta on the ground because Atlanta's defense remains hot garbage. So I think the Saints can cover. But the other way I'm looking at it from a betting perspective is I'm taking the under on that one. I I don't see that one shooting out because I just think that game plays a lot faster than people are anticipating. I just don't see uh, the Saints throwing that many passes. It, It doesn't make sense for the Saints to throw that many passes Overall, So from my perspective, uh, uh, the, uh, the, kind of the couple of plays that I would say is a, uh, lower, uh, lower overall, uh, total than people are expecting. But B the, the other, uh, the other aspect is I just think, uh, you know, you're going to see a lot of dump offs, uh, to Alvin Kamara. I think Alvin Kamara becomes the Michael Thomas outlet for Taysom Hill as opposed to, uh, um, uh, M- uh Michael Thomas. Uh, you know, I just don't like Michael Thomas this week. You know, most folks would say, you know, yeah, dump balls. Michael Thomas is, is back in business. I look at it a different way. I think with a worse, far worse quarterback, if it was Jameis Winston on the center, then yeah, uh, I would uh, feel confident playing Michael Thomas. With Taysom under the center, I think we're going to see a lot of wildcat. I think we're going to see a lot of uh, dump offs to Kamara in the backfield. I look at this as this is a Kamara game. Uh, maybe Kamara gets a rushing touchdown, but he doesn't necessarily need the rushing touchdown uh, to be good in fantasy from a fantasy perspective. I think he's just going to get a lot of pass receptions, and so his prop total of over forty eight at uh, forty eight uh, receiving yards. I like that from a Kamara perspective I would take the over on that one because I think he's gonna get the catches and he's gonna get the receiving yards out of the backfield uh that's the way I kind of look at it so I like the Saints to cover but I'm not necessarily uh going crazy over uh, uh betting on um uh betting on the over I think I like the under in this matchup but uh, I do like the Saints to still cover. Next up, uh Cincinnati traveling to Washington. Uh Washington not getting a whole lot of respect. Uh, uh you know, they're still favored uh, but only by a point and a half. Listen. Cincinnati has not earned the respect enough of being good enough defensively that they're going to win on the road. So, even with Alex Smith at QB, I think Smith will still be able to dink and dunk. Washington's trying to lose these games. I get that. I totally get that. So Cincinnati Cincinnati's not going anywhere. So I know the public is on Cincinnati to win this game outright, but from a, just looking at it from the, uh, uh, the perspective of how likely is it that Was- uh, Washington, uh beat Cincinnati? I, it's at least 50, 50, uh, and probably a little bit higher. And with so much of the percentage from a picks perspective on, uh, because uh, you you got the public uh, taking, uh, they, they got the public taking Cincinnati at a seventy percent clip. Uh, you know, for picks pool purposes, I gotta take Washington just just from uh, a breakdown standpoint. To me, it's the play is Washington because they got at least a fifty fifty shot uh, at a minimum of uh, of taking this one. That's where I kind of look at it from a, a game breakdown uh, standpoint it's 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 more 50-50 uh if 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 you got washington and like and i know the public is uh is very much on uh the Bengals here i i would i i'm going to be contrarian on that one i i would rather take uh i would rather take a washington side of things and i know so, some folks are are still favoring uh are still favoring um uh, going towards, uh, uh, going towards, uh, you know, uh, the Falcons as well with we'll Taysom under center. But uh, you know, uh, I'm probably going to end up being playing more contrarian this week. Uh, that's the way I'm looking at it. So uh, next on deck, we got Detroit uh, traveling to Carolina. Uh, Carolina also favored, uh, uh, and you know, this line actually shifted. So, um, so th- this and this is the talking point. Uh, I, I want to get to uh, originally the uh, Carolina was still favored. The line has shifted more towards the, uh, the line side of things. And that's because we still haven't gotten confirmation as of yet. And it's, uh, 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 we got to get confirmation soon because it's a one o'clock game and we're already uh, past 10 30 as of this recording, but Teddy Bridgewater still has, has been ruled out for this game yet. It, it, the signs are leaning more towards, Uh, Bridgewater being out and it's more likely that he's going to be out with that in mind. I got to take Detroit because PJ Walker is the very definition of a backup NFL QB, no Christian McCaffrey uh, for the Panthers uh, who's out with the shoulder injury again. I I got, I got to take Detroit here, even though I don't like Detroit whatsoever. Uh, now Carolina's got a bit too many injuries to overcome in order to get a win against Detroit. I have to take Detroit as a dog here. Don't like the play. Wouldn't bet it. But for a picks pool standpoint, yeah, I- I'll take Detroit in-, in that instance. Going on, uh, we've got the Patriots uh, playing Houston. And this is, again, one of those matchups where you don't like it, but It's like I wouldn't be betting on it, but Patriots two and a half point favorites on the road. I'm still going to take New England because Houston's offense has not looked good. Like something is off. Like I don't. Well, we know it's off. It's the offensive line being hot garbage. Uh, (laughs) That's how the uh, that's how it's really boiled down to Uh, the offensive line for the Texans uh, cannot block. Still cannot block, even with all the uh, picks, uh, 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 even with all the picks uh, that uh, Houston gave up uh, for, <laughs> I mean, man, the Laramie Tunsil trade just looks worse every every day now uh, with Bill O'Brien. But anyway, Houston cannot block. Overall with that uh, offensive line and the Patriots, even though they struggled defensively, I got to think they put it together and, and take out Houston here uh, today. Uh, I, I'll take the Patriots, even though I wouldn't bet it outright from a picks uh, perspective to me, that's the play. All right. So moving on, we got Jacksonville hosting the Steelers. Steelers have a quick turnaround because they are playing on Thanksgiving, man. It is. This month is flying by that. Thanksgiving is already this week. Um, but, uh, yeah, Steelers, 10 half point favorites. I am actually going to take the Jags side of things because I think that line, here's the, here's the problem with the line for Steelers. It's, they got a quick turnaround. They're going to want to try to get in and out of there as soon as possible. Uh, you know, the, from an outright perspective, the Steelers are going to win this game. My concern is I don't know if the Steelers are going to cover 10, 10, uh, like, Oh, it be, I think the Steelers win by 10. I think this is a hanger kind of game. Uh, would I bet it? No. Uh, would I bet on the Jacks? No. But for a picks pool? Yeah. I, I feel more, more on the side of taking the Jacks because again, the Steelers don't have a lot of time to mess around here. Like basically, uh, they they have uh, they have the matchup uh, 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 coming up, and you know I I just look at it as you know you're playing the Jags and then you're playing Baltimore like the quick turnaround uh, to to play Baltimore on Thanksgiving night. I, I, I'm looking at both the the J uh, the uh, the Steelers and the Ravens, and I got concerns. I really do have concerns uh, taking them uh, taking them on the spread. Like people are factoring in. Uh, not uh, not betting on the Ravens spread-wise as a favorite, but are okay with betting on the Steelers as a favorite. I And using the same contradictory logic. Oh, we, we're worried about the turnaround for the Ravens. But you're going to bet the Steelers at a higher number like with the short turnaround? It, to me, it doesn't make any sense. If you're going to do it for one, you got to do it for both. So to me, my perspective is, I'm going to take the Jags, and then for this next matchup uh, in the 1 o'clock window... Uh, Ravens versus uh, Ravens hosting the Titans, I'm taking the Titans plus six uh, against the Ravens. Again, do I think the Ravens win the game? Yes. I think the, both the Steelers and the Ravens win today. Do I think they cover? The Steelers have a ten and a half number. The Ravens have a six number. Uh, they got to cover six. They got to win by a touchdown. I don't think either one of these teams covers. But from a betting perspective from the public, people are <laughs> they are taking the Titans uh, as the underdog, but are avoiding the Jags as an underdog. But citing <laughs> citing the quick turnaround for the Ravens, but ignoring it for the Steelers. I don't get it. I like I, I've I've seen that commentary multiple times now that people are actually making the the, the argument for betting on. <laughs> Betting on the Steelers, but not the Ravens, but citing the, the sense of the argument that applies to both teams. Uh, I I I got to laugh. I have to laugh at that one because I just look at it. And I'm like, uh, I, I don't understand. You are making you're making picks suggestions, but using contradictory logic. I I, I, I anyway. Uh, I gotta move on because uh, we, we gotta get to the fantasy portion of this as well so uh moving on uh you know we, we uh we talked about this uh, Steelers and the Ravens uh you know like I said I like Jacksonville and I like Tennessee uh, uh so that kind of we got one more one o'clock game to talk about and that's Philly and Cleveland man here's the thing when the Eagles are underdogs, they play well. When they're not, when they're favorite, that's when they suck. The fact that this, the, I mean, the Eagles pissed me off so much last week by playing so horribly against the Giants that the only logical sense that I could see out of Philly this week is that they show up and ball out against the Browns. The, uh, and it doesn't make any sense because why would you not show up against the Giants that you know are a worse team than you are, but you show up and play a, a Browns team? That is capable of beating you. The Browns are going to want to run the football. Philly's pretty good at stopping the run. Matchup-wise, this should actually work out pretty well for Philly, but everyone is down on Philly because of how poorly they played against the Giants. And the Giants did not play well last week. Anyone that's trying to take a victory lap for Daniel Jones and the Giants, uh, I got news for you. The Giants still suck. But so does Philly and everyone else in the NFC East. With that being said, Somehow, I think Philly finds a way of winning this game. It will not be pretty. Do not bet on this game. Don't really rely on anyone from a fantasy perspective for this game, because I think everyone's going to disappoint. Uh, You know, Carson Wentz owners, Miles Sanders owners, uh, you know, anyone that's playing Nick Chubb, uh, you know, Kareem Hunt. I think everyone is going to disappoint in this game. The the over-unders at 45 points, and I would take the under on this game. I just don't see anything good coming out of this game. I I would just avoid it completely. But honestly, if uh, outright I think Philly finds a way to win, and spread-wise, I'm taking Philly as an underdog because logic dictates, after disappointing uh, against a, a winnable game against the Giants, that they would show up today. That's just... Seems to be the, uh, the Eagles' M.O. So, I, I'm, I'm just going off of that logic. Uh, you know, as illogical as it sounds sometimes, that that's basically how they function. As ridiculous as it is. But, uh, you know, there we go. Now, for the 4 o'clock window, uh, uh, we're going to get into the Dolphins playing the Broncos. <sighs> Everyone is on the Dolphins. And... I got to be on the Dolphins. <laughs> it's like, I can't, I can't even talk myself into playing Denver. Denver uh, defensively is a mess. I know two on the road is a very scary proposition. So I, I believe me, I, I get it. I don't have a whole lot of, uh, a lot of confidence, but I, Denver's got a lot of issues to s- sort through. Uh, Vic Fangio's probably on his way to getting fired at the end of the season. And John Elway's probably right there with him. Uh, but uh, I just I can't take Denver, uh, even at a three and a half, uh, being a three-and-a-half-point dog at home. Dem- Denver's not a good football team. Miami is an average football team. Uh, we'll see if they have a letdown spot here. But I can't see Miami. Miami doesn't strike me as a team to do letdown spots this year. They, they, they at least look as though... They're not reading their own press clippings, which is all I can say about that. So uh, moving on to the next 405 game, we got the Chargers hosting the lowly New York Jets. The Jets are tanking. Everyone knows the Jets are tanking. That's why Adam Gase has not been fired as of yet, even though he should have been ages ago. Uh, This is a nine and a half point uh, spread. Uh, It's up to nine and a half points. It opened up at eight and a half. It could be, the line could be 10. I'd still take the Chargers. Uh, The Jets just, I don't know where the points are coming from for the Jets. I really don't know. If the Chargers score 24 points, can anyone legitimately tell me how the Jets are getting 14 points? I'm serious with this one. I think the Chargers score at least 24 points here. So how do the Jets get to 14 points? I'm very curious as to, unless it's a special teams touchdown, I don't see how the Jets get to 14 points. I just don't. So I have to take the Chargers. Even though I don't think the Chargers are that good, I have to take the Chargers. All right, next up. Uh, we have the return of Andy Dalton as the Cowboys travel to Minnesota to play the Vikings. Whew. I have no confidence in Kirk Cousins. This spread is now down to seven because Andy Dalton's back. So if the line was at eight and a half, when this opened, you take the Cowboys. You have to take the Cowboys because you can't rely on Minnesota uh, being smart or efficient enough to just completely trounce the Cowboys with as weak as that defense is with Andy Dalton back. This should be the line really should be at seven. So, realistically, with the line being at seven, this is a pass. But if it for if your, your pool opened up, has uh, kept the opening line at eight and a half, I, I got to take Dallas here. I not because I think Dallas has a chance of winning the game, I, I still think Minnesota wins this game, uh, eight out of ten. But from a spread perspective, if the line's at eight and a half. That's that's just too high. If it's at seven, I you know, I would probably start leaning more towards the Vikings. But at uh, more than seven, you got to take the Cowboys. Uh, you know, Dalton being back, uh, you know, from concussion protocol, from uh, and then the COVID positive test. I, I just lean more towards uh, Dallas from a picks perspective. Uh, Green Bay going into Indy. I've been down on Indy the entire year. I've been mocking them. Every time they are a fantasy quicksand matchup. No matter what, whether or not they win the matchup, they find a way to muck everything up so that you you are miserable betting against them or betting on them. The Colts are 4-5 and 4 against the spread. Like it, it, it's it's maddening trying to figure out a Colts spread, but look at it this way. The Packers are an underdog by two or two and a half points, depending on the book. I think the Packers win this game outright. So with that being said, I have to take the the Packers here because I I don't, I don't see where, I don't see where Indy wins this one. I, I think the Packers are a better team than Indy with the weapons. Like unless Philip Rivers finds a way to get that passing game going and T. Y. Hilton does anything, you know, I told folks weeks ago that it was time to cut T. Y. Hilton loose, and people still kept trying to play him. I, I at this point, I think you have to cut your losses from a fancy perspective. It, it, it's it's just it is what it is. Um, you know, I don't see a a happy ending coming for those who are playing Indianapolis players. Like Jonathan Taylor has been the equivalent of David Montgomery, an absolute nightmare. Uh, From a running back perspective, like these these running backs taken late second round, early third round have been abysmal this year. Almost as bad as uh, any tight end play uh, that was taken this year because tight end has been has been atrocious. You know, I I got I got to just lean towards you, you. You just take Green Bay and call it a day. So that takes care of the afternoon games. Uh, Sunday Night Football tonight, we got the Raiders and the Chiefs. You know, when this game opened up, it was six and a half to the Raiders. uh, The Raiders as an underdog. Six and a half point underdogs. The Lions up to seven. The whole narrative of the Chiefs getting pissed off at the Raiders for over-celebrating their victory against the Chiefs when I thought the Chiefs were just disinterested, not engaged in that game, not focused, and they got beat by a team that was actively ready to play. I think the Chiefs are kind of ticked off. They know they can't get swept by the Raiders because if they get swept by the Raiders, there's only one guaranteed buy in the AFC uh, unless you are a division winner and outright uh, division winner. And, you know, the Chiefs losing that game puts the Raiders in uh, almost in the driver's seat because they'll have – they'll have the tiebreaker advantage and they'll only be one game behind the chiefs. I think the Chiefs just put it on the Raiders tonight. I think the I think the Chiefs are focused. It I mean, they are not playing in a black hole. Uh it's an empty stadium. You know, the, the, there's just to me it's a brand new empty stadium that the Chiefs are playing in. The Chiefs are better than the Raiders, flat out. And they're motivated. I would be shocked if the Chiefs don't win this game by ten. So if it's a picks pool and this line uh open uh with this line opening up at six and a half, if your picks pool still has this game at six and a half, you outright take the Chiefs. If uh if you're betting on this one, which I am, I'm taking the Chiefs as well. I I just I just don't see where the Raiders keep up in this game that the Chiefs don't take care of business. I, I think they put them away early and this is not nearly as close of a game as people think it might be. I, I think the Chiefs are, co- are coming to make a statement and it's a prime time game. I, I, I'm thinking the Chiefs are all ready to go for this one. All right. And to cap things off, we got Tampa hosting the Rams. I don't think the Rams are very good. I think the Rams have been very fortunate in some of their matchups So from my perspective, I got to take Tampa here. Uh, The four and a half line, fine. If it, uh, you know, I think Tampa wins by a touchdown. Uh, I I look at this from the standpoint of, uh, you know, they're going to see that, you know, the only way I see Tampa losing this game is if somehow Atlanta beats the Saints and then Tampa lets their foot off the gas pedal but I, I even even if the Saints drop uh, the game today, I think Tampa takes care of business and they and they just run away with the division. I I think Tampa is now in full on playoff mode now that they've lost the season series to uh, the Saints. They know they got to win out and run the table, and I think that just kind of starts with uh, with the Rams. I I think they're locked in and focused to take care of business. So I I look at it from the standpoint of. Uh, They just get ready to uh, do what they need to do and kind of take it and take care of business. So I I like Tampa quite a bit. So I'll probably do a parlay with the Chiefs uh, money line and the Tampa uh, money line because I like both of those teams to take care of business uh, uh, moving forward. So those those are my favorite plays for uh, this actual slate of games. All right. Fantasy wise. You know, the big talk has been uh, Taysom Hill getting the nod over Jameis Winston uh, in place of uh, who's going to back play at QB for the Saints with Drew Brees injured. From a regular fantasy standpoint, the play would have been to play Jameis. Now that we know it's Taysom, to me, Taysom playing is not is not an ideal situation at all. I, I just look at it from the standpoint of it's not a good play. Like, end of story. Like, I can't I can't be any more definitive than that. I don't think Taysom is a very good regular fantasy play. Regular fantasy. Jameis would have been the better regular season fantasy play for your leagues. Now, if you're in a two QB league, or fourteen team league, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you you, 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 uh, you ride on um, you you ride Taysom. Like uh, th- that that's no brainer. But to me, the way I, I look at it from my perspective, you know, once it became clear that uh, you know Sean Payton was leaning more in the direction of Taysom, I think it's going to be a more run heavy game. Uh, you know. Yeah, could Taysom get there if he scores a couple of touchdowns? Yeah, without question. I just think that there are more pathways for Taysom just to have a high floor but low ceiling than it is for Taysom just to go out and ball out and just have a monster game. I just don't. I don't see the scenario where Taysom uh, Taysom Hill like just takes over and destroys uh, a fantasy slate as a starting uh, QB. I, I just don't. Now, why do I say uh, from a regular fantasy standpoint, uh, you know, Taysom's not to play, but I, I love him for a DFS standpoint. Because from a DFS standpoint, it's all about the math. Over on FanDuel, Taysom Hill is a tight end. He's not even a QB. He's a tight end on FanDuel. So. From the fantasy perspective on FanDuel, you know the tight end position has been terrible this year, uh, fantasy football-wise. So from that perspective, with everything as lackluster as it's been from a fantasy perspective, you know, Taysom makes all the sense in the world on FanDuel. Because you just plug them in at tight end and you're saving a bunch of salary for other players. So you can play Dalvin Cook on FanDuel along with Devontae Adams. No problem. Like, he just makes the math work. It's it's not that hard to put together builds where you've got Devontae Adams and Dalvin Cook. Like, two of the best fantasy plays overall without an issue. It, it, to me, it, it's just... There are so many other avenues that Taysom opens up uh, when you just slot him in at uh, tight end on FanDuel, and you have a high floor for even for a QB. But at the tight end position in FanDuel, it's a no-brainer. Like Taysom Hill is still only projected to be at sixty-five to seventy percent owned on FanDuel. Like i I think reg I think that number still might be low because I think regular fans that are doing Daily Fantasy, won't even realize that Taysom is at tight end and not QB. So I, I think people will overlook him. So I'm all about playing, locking in Taysom 100% on tight end on FanDuel. It makes no sense not to play him there. To, to me, I think he's, he's going to end up in being in the optimal build, and I think someone is going to win a big tournament on FanDuel with Taysom at tight end. I, I'd be shocked if... Uh, if that wasn't the case, because the the, uh, the other tight end plays are just far more expensive and you have less flexibility. And Taysom has the floor unless Taysom gets hurt or Sean Payton decides to troll everyone in their mother by pulling Taysom after two series and playing Jameis the rest of the way. I just don't see where how Taysom doesn't get there, even if he only plays a half of football at his price tag because he's only forty five hundred on FanDuel. Which is where you get more of your savings. Uh, it, it it just opens up its min price, so it, it just from a math perspective with FanDuel, I, I I just don't see how you can justify not playing Taysom Hill uh, with with the salary cap restrictions because FanDuel it just makes it so much easier uh, from a pricing perspective. There's just no. There's no clean way of, of getting around it. Like Taysom Hill uh, just gets it done. So on FanDuel, you know, I, I've been playing around with different builds all uh all the way through. So even when I correlate it and I play Matt Ryan and Calvin Ridley, uh they're both priced at seventy eight hundred, I can make the math work because I could still fit in Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook. Uh Dalvin Cook is ten five, Derrick Henry's eighty-two hundred the math still works because I can play carry on Johnson at 4,800 and I got Deontay Johnson at 6,400 and Jacoby Myers at, at six grand. The math works. Like the thing of it is, is that Taysom just opens up so much opportunity from a lineup perspective. Like you can put in different combinations. You can play uh Roethlisberger uh, uh, with uh, receivers. You can, uh, you can play Lamar Jackson and Kalen Bellage, uh, you can play just an, like you can play basically Deshaun Watson. Like you can play every quarterback combo you want on FanDuel, as long as you have Taysom in there because at mid price he opens up the pricing so much, and you have the guaranteed floor. There is no reason not to play uh, Taysom Hill uh, on FanDuel. You can make a weak case on DraftKings. But I still think the play on DraftKings and FanDuel is to play Taysom Hill. Uh, DraftKings, you have to play Taysom as a QB. There's no getting around that. But at 4,800 on DraftKings, you can still play Dalvin Cook. And to me, Dalvin Cook versus the Cowboys defense is just so weak. Uh, I think Dalvin Cook is a, a lock. And because you can fit him in with uh, uh, with Taysom at QB, I I just look at it from the perspective of you can just run different stacks of a uh, wide receiver plays, and, and and stack it that way. Run Taysom naked. Uh, you don't have to stack them with Michael Thomas or Kamara because I just think it's going to be a run heavy game for the Saints. If I'm stacking the Saints, I'm going to play Taysom with Kamara, uh, with Kamara being ninety two hundred. But even then, you still have other plays you can use instead uh, of uh, Kamara. And that's where I just look at it. it to me, there just there isn't enough of a reason to get away from uh, Taysom Hill today. I, I, I'm sorry. There just there just isn't a good enough reason. You have to play Taysom Hill on uh, DraftKings today un- unless you just want to be Different from the field, and I mean, it's okay being different from the field uh, if you're trying to win. Uh, if you're trying to win a tournament, well, yeah, like by all means, but if you're playing cash, like Taysom Hill has to be the play. Like, it, it's just it, it is it is reckless not to play Taysom Hill in cash games today on DraftKings. It is absolutely reckless. I, I, I will say this again. If you are playing on DraftKings and you do not have Taysom Hill in your lineup at QB, I'm sorry. It's not a good build. I'm, I'm stating it plainly. If you do not have Taysom Hill as your quarterback in a cash build for DraftKings, you, you, you've, you've done the lineup construction wrong. Because you can fit in all the top running back and wide receiver plays that you want in a cash game build. And you have a high floor in Taysom at QB. There's just no justifying not playing Taysom Hill in cash games on DraftKings. In tournaments, fine. You can make a case that there are guys with a higher ceiling, uh, an explosive ceiling, because I don't think Taysom has a, a particularly high ceiling from a tournament perspective. You can find other guys that can get you there from a tournament perspective, but I get the argument on DraftKings. Fanduel, there's no getting around it. Like Fanduel, it's a lock button on Taysom, whether it's tournament or cash games. D- DraftKings, you can get away from Taysom Hill uh, from a tournament build, but not in cash games. It- it's got to be Taysom Hill. The- uh, otherwise, it's just you're just being reckless and, and stubborn. So I-, I-, I cannot support that whatsoever. So I'm gonna leave it there. I'm gonna get this uploaded just so you guys can do your uh, last minute tweaks. Uh, obviously, you guys can shoot me questions as. Uh, we head into uh, lock at 1 o'clock, but uh, that's all for now. Good luck, everyone, and, yeah, let's let's see what we get out of Taysom today because, uh, you know, I put the stamp of approval in for DFS purposes. Regular fantasy, not so much, but uh, DFS-wise, uh, uh, this is a Taysom Hill day. One way or another, we're, we're going to find out uh, what he can bring to the table. So that's all for now. Have a good one, folks. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all other major outlets.